0: Well, what's up, Element Church? So glad that all of you are here with us today. I want to take a moment and say hello to those of you joining us via video. If you're watching on Facebook Live uh, or church online, uh, so glad you're tuning in as well. Continue clicking that share button uh, with all your friends. You're spreading the word about Element Church literally all around the globe. If you're new here, my name is Jeff Manis, lead pastor here at Element Church. And what you just saw there was a promo video for the compassion experience that's coming to Element Church on Friday, May 12th through Monday, May 15th. Compassion International, if you don't know, is a child sponsorship organization that serves the needs of children and families around the globe who are living in extreme poverty. And we have the great privilege of having their compassion experience come here to Element, which is super, super cool. Calvary Chapel is also partnering with us uh, to volunteer at this and promote this as well. So they'll bring in a couple semi-trailers and set up this experience that you are through and learn about Compassion's ministry in a third world country. It is free to attend, but you do have to sign up for a specific time slot on one of those days. We're asking those who call Element Church home to attend on Friday, Saturday, or Monday and leave Sunday open for our guests and anyone who is outside of Element Church to so sign up for your time slot. Uh, you can go to the church Facebook page and go to our website, elementchurchwy.com, or you can go to this website on the screen as well, cts.compassion.com events. If you want to take a snapshot of the screen right now, you can do that and sign up for whatever time slot you would like to attend. It's going to be phenomenal. Uh, we are very privileged to have this and can't wait for them uh, to be here this coming weekend. So today is week number three in a sermon series that we are calling This Is Us, where we are uh, walking six weeks through our six core values we have as a church. If you've missed the first two core values and you want to catch up or you want to share it with somebody in your life, you can do that from our our church website, elementchurchwy.com. You get our free app or subscribe to the free podcast as well. And maybe you're here and you are a Christian, you're a believer, and you're trying to figure out whether this is going to be the the church home for you or not, or you might be here and you don't believe in Jesus at all. Whatever the case, we love it that you are here. And if that's you, this is the perfect sermon and perfect sermon series really for you to attend because you're going to get to hear all about who we are as a church, what we stand for, how we minister, how we serve in our community. And our prayer through this series, I'm saying this every week, is whether you believe what we believe or not, that you would hear these core values, see them lived out so much in our church that you would be able to say without reservation that this is us, that this is who we are. Each of the symbols behind me here on the platform correspond with the core value signs and a, a specific core value that you see all throughout the building. You'll see our core value signs. And core value number one was obedience is our success. That success is not determined by outcome, but by our obedience to God. It's our desire to be faithful to God to the very end, amen? Core value number two is, if only for the one, that we do what we do for the glory of him alone, to reach out to them alone, him being Jesus and them being those who don't yet know Jesus. And today, I want to talk to you about the value of home the value of home. Now, we have some sayings in life about home that are very popular. We use them a lot. So I want to see if you can finish these statements I'm about to give you. And then just for fun, I want to tell you what I think they really mean, because I don't think they mean what they really mean. So here's the first statement. There's no place like like home. That's what we say. What we mean is There's no place like Krispy Kreme when the Hot Donuts Now sign is on. Can I get a witness up in here? Right, yeah. That will change your life. That's what we really mean. Last year, by the way, I took Pastor Derek, our executive pastor, and Pastor Brendan, our youth pastor, took them to Krispy Kreme for the very first time in their life. We got fresh donuts. By the time we were to the car, they had already eaten some, and Pastor Derek began talking to the donuts. And seriously, he looked at the donuts and said, where have you been my whole life? That's what he said. It was, it was awesome. It'll, it'll change your life. Here, here's the next one. Home is where? The heart. Home's where the heart is. Here's what we really mean. Home's where you can yell at your kids and not worry about who saw you in public. That's what it really means, right? Not that I've ever yelled at my kids, right? I'm just for all the unholy people in the room, you know. Here, here's uh, somebody comes over to our house. We, we say this. Make yourself at? Home. Yeah. We don't mean that. I mean, do we really mean that? We, what we mean is make yourself at home, as long as your home won't make me uncomfortable or feel awkward, right? Because let's be honest, we do things in our home we would never do at anyone else's, right? Like, like even moms pass gas openly in their home. Don't be, don't be denying it, ladies. You know it's true. I, I could be mean to ask for kids to raise their hand if their moms. Out. We're not going to do that, okay? Like when I go home at night, I don't wait for bed to put my PJs on. Like when I go home from work, I put a stained pair of sweatpants on and a cutoff shirt that shows my nipples. You don't want that. <laughs> you don't want that in your house. I don't want you doing that in my home, right? Like we, we say make yourself at home. We don't really mean that. Now, I'm making jokes here. and I understand that. But the reality is homes where we can truly, truly take down the masks, be ourselves, kick back and and relax. Typically, I know there's exceptions, but typically we love our home. But listen, home is messy, right? That's messy, not just the clothes and the dishes. Home's messy. The, the dynamics of home, the, the relationships in, in home and family are, are messy, and that makes this core value messy as well. So here's, here's core value number three, um, and, and it's on the screens if you want to write it down. It will serve as our big idea for today. A place to call home, that we will love people for who they are so we can lead them to where they need to be. We'll love them for who they are so we can lead them to where they need to be. I'm wearing a place to call home sweatshirt, shameless plug. You can buy one of these sweatshirts out at the Element store today uh, if you'd like to and promote our core value of, we'll be a place to call home. Out of all of our core values we have, I think this one is the hardest to live out Because it's the messiest to live in. It's messy to love people for who they are. But can I just say to our church, we're going to embrace the mess. We're going to embrace the mess of being a place to call home. I love the fact that we have people who come to our church on a weekly basis. They come here on a bus with our homeless ministry. That they don't have a home, but here they have a place to call home. I love that. I love that we have people who come here from the transitional center, that that literally they are transitioning from prison back into society, and they feel at home here. I love that we have cops and lawyers that serve alongside ex-convicts, and they both feel at home. I love that we have addicts who come to our church, and they feel at home. We have people who attend our church right now that are walking through divorces, that their home is in shambles, but when they come here, they have a place to call home. I love that. I love that we have people here in the service who you grew up in church and you love church, sitting next to people who have been hurt by the church and you're not sure you'll ever trust it again. But right here, we have a place to call home. I love that. But it's messy. We're we're a diverse group here at Element Church, and that's messy. One of the things we pray for as a staff on a weekly basis, here's one of our prayers we pray. God, bring us people that nobody else wants or people who believe nobody would want them and we'll do our best to love them like you would. Just bring them, God, and we'll do our best. And that's really what it boils down to, right, is loving people like Jesus did. So, so if we want to make a home for people, we, we need to do it as Christ did. So that leads to the big question for today. And the big question is this, how, do I, how did Jesus make a home for people? How did Jesus make a home for people? The main scripture we'll look at is Luke 5, 27 through 32. If you got a Bible, turn to Luke chapter 5, and uh, we'll be there for uh, the entire portion of our message. If you didn't bring a Bible, you can follow along on the screens. Uh, If you don't own a Bible, uh, you can download a free one called YouVersion onto your device, or uh, stop by guest services. We'll get you a Bible free of charge before you go today. Now, just a little background for Luke. Luke, who wrote this, what we call a gospel, Matthew, Mark, and then Luke, third book in the New Testament. Luke was not personally an eyewitness to the life of Jesus. He was a physician by trade, so he was a doctor. And all of his writing here in the gospel of Luke was taken from careful accounts of other eyewitnesses who watched Jesus live His life. If you have a heading, if you have your Bible and there's headings over each section, it's interesting. The heading over this section of our main scripture says, Jesus calls notorious sinners. Not just sinners, right, but notorious ones. You're thinking, I know that notorious. Or maybe you're saying, I am that notorious sinner. Jesus calls notorious sinners is what we are looking at here. So Luke 5, the first part of verse 27 says this. Later, as Jesus left the town, he saw a tax collector named Levi sitting at his tax collector's booth. Now, a little information on Levi, just so you're aware. this, This is important. Levi... Is the same guy we know of as Matthew, Uh, most likely Levi, after he put his faith in Jesus, had his name changed by Jesus or by himself from Levi to Matthew. So Matthew or Levi, same person, one of the 12 disciples, apostle of Jesus, the same Matthew who wrote what is now included as the first book in the New Testament portion of the Bible, the gospel of of Matthew. So that's who this guy is. And the reason Jesus saw him as he was leaving town is tax collectors would often sit at bridges or along roads to collect tolls, a lot like we have our modern day toll booths today. And the Jewish people hated tax collectors. They hated them. They they were the lowest of the low. They were outcasts, spiritually unclean, that even as a Jewish person, if you were a tax collector, you would not be allowed to go to the temple or go to synagogue to worship your God, and here's why. Rome owned all of the roads in the region. They were an oppressive government, and so to receive more money, they would tax the roads. They went out and found Jewish people who were willing to serve as tax collectors, and they told these Jewish tax collectors Here's how much we want taxed on the road. You can charge anything you want. As long as we get this amount, you can keep the rest. So they were extortionists, they were cheaters, swindlers, and and so the Jewish people hated them. They were not just working for Rome, they were traitors of the Jewish faith. They were rich from their extortion, and they kind of formed their own clique of these unwelcome, unaccepted people in culture. They were party machines. Miller had not been invented yet, but they were living the high life, if you know what I mean. So the Pharisees, okay, the teachers of the religious law to the Jewish, they saw tax collectors as enemies to be shunned. But Jesus is about to reveal a different model of ministry to these Pharisees. It's interesting to note, okay, this is important too, that the the previous two stories in Luke 5, like read all of Luke 5 sometime this week. The previous two stories, Jesus healed a man with leprosy, That's a skin disease that made you unclean. Then he healed a paralyzed man. That's a skeletal disease that made you unclean. And now he's dealing with a tax collector who has a spiritual disease that made him unclean. So Jesus saw Levi, Luke 5, 27. Follow me and be my disciple, Jesus said to him. So we want to be a place to call home. How did Jesus then make a home for people? We're going to see our core value right here in the life of Jesus. Here's the first part. Number one, he loved people for who they were. He loved people for who they were. This is so, so huge, okay? As I said, we know Levi was also Matthew, same guy. One of the 12 disciples, the guy who wrote the first book of the New Testament, uh, we, you know, we call it the Gospel of Matthew. It's believed that after Matthew uh, witnessed the resurrection, put his faith in Jesus, was filled with the Holy Spirit, it's believed that Matthew then took the Gospel to Persia and Ethiopia, eventually being stabbed to death for his faith in Jesus. But that's, that's not the guy that Jesus said, follow me to, is it? That's who he became. That's not who he was. So this is so huge. Okay, listen. This makes me smile. Jesus called Matthew before Matthew ever changed. He called him before he changed. He said, follow me before he put his faith in him. People should be able to belong to our home before they believe what we believe or behave the way we behave. That's how Jesus operated. That's how he operated. Jesus said, listen, Jesus said, you are loved even if you don't believe in me. Even if you don't behave the way the law says, you are loved, you can belong to my crowd. You can follow my my teaching if you want to, even if you don't believe yet. Pharisees hated that about Jesus. Because the Pharisees would say this, oh, you can belong. We'll love you if you behave. Like We'll teach you what to believe, but only if you believe what we believe can you hang out with us. They hated Jesus because he loved people for who they were. We want to be a place to call home. So if we want to be that like Jesus, how did Jesus do that? Well, Jesus loved people for who they were. And listen, it doesn't stop there. That's where we like to stop in the church. Let's just love everybody. But it doesn't stop there. Jesus continues on to Luke 5.28 and says this. So Levi got up, left how much everything. Let's all say everything together. Say everything. Say everything. And followed him. So here's the second thing Jesus does in making a home for people. He led people to where they needed to be. Loved them for who they were, but he led them to where they needed to be. This is where it gets messy, church, okay? This is where it gets really messy. Because Jesus loved Levi just the way he was, but he wasn't going to let him remain the way he'd been. When Jesus said, follow me and be my disciple, he was not saying you have to be spotless in your performance, but he was saying you better stop being a tax collector, Like, you can't remain a tax collector, Levi, and also be my disciple, that Jesus loved him for who he was, but Levi couldn't follow him and remain who he'd been. And here's the truth, church. You don't have to change before you follow Jesus. But once you follow Jesus, you can't help but be changed. You'll either change or you'll quit following Jesus. 2 Corinthians 5.17 says this. This means that anyone who belongs to Christ, anyone who's put their faith in Christ, has become a new person. The old life is gone. A new life has begun. That's good news, church. You see, we've allowed love to become something in our lives today that it's not Today, we say things in the church like, well, if you loved me, you'd just accept me the way I am. And that's partially true, right? That's the first part of making a home for people, that we love them for for who they are. But true love doesn't allow someone to stay the way they are, especially when the way they are living stands in direct opposition to God's word for their lives. Like love always accepts, always But love does not have to approve. Loving someone does not mean we just leave them in the same place and never challenge them with more. It's not what it means. We don't tolerate this kind of thinking in any other arena of life, do we? We don't. The only arena we, we tolerate this in is, is spiritually. So, so, just think about this. Let me give you an illustration. Think about this for a moment. Imagine my wife and I are going to go on a date together for our anniversary. If I'm going to ask my wife if she'll join me on the platform, I'm going to go over here and uh, just welcome my wife. If you would, <laughs> my wife Sabrina. So, imagine we're going on. A, hey, how you doing? Imagine we're going on a date for our anniversary. Hey, you look good today. Hopefully, the kids aren't busy when we get home. So we, we got. T- <laughs> We got TV to catch up on, on the DVR, you know. So uh, so we're going out for our anniversary. We come to, the, to our favorite restaurant, well, our favorite, favorite Taco Bell. But we go to a nice restaurant, and we go to the host, and the host, host says, hey, I'm running your party. Oh, we have, we have two, two in our party. Okay, follow me. So we start going, so going to the table. Oh, wait, wait, a minute. I, forgot, I forgot my wife's high chair. Let me get my, you good? All right. Yo. Oh, oh, it's okay. We, she still uses a high chair. She's never grown out of it. We just love her for the way she is. Um, over, over here, over here, babe. Let me, let me get you, I want you to get up all the way in here. You be careful now, okay? Here you go. Can you get up in there. All right, there you go. Okay. It's, it's okay. We just love her though. You good? Okay, okay. And then we sit down and, and the waiter comes over to take our order. And uh, what would you guys like to drink? Oh, we'll just, we'll just have water today. Starts, oh, no. Can you put it in my wife's sippy cup? That'd be way better. Yeah. Oh, she's never grown out of it. We just love her for the way she is though. I mean, she's so so cute. Here you go. Is that good? Yeah, okay. That's awesome. Right. Um, oh, uh, oh, it's, uh, yeah, I'll have the special steak and lobster. And, and Do you have a kid's meal? Like, if you want chicken and nuggets and mac? Okay, if she doesn't get chicken nuggets, she's going to throw an absolute fit. I know it's weird. I know. But she's never grown out of it. So it's, it's okay. We love her for the way she is. We just love her for the way she is. Okay, yeah. And then, so let's say our, our food then comes out, right? I got steak and lobster, and she's got chicken nuggets and mac and cheese. And I, I need to cut it up for her. So go over there. Okay. You ready for the airplane? Here it comes. Open. Oh, good girl. Yeah. All right. so, let's, okay. now let's, let's just say, not that this would ever happen. Let's say I, I say something that would make her mad. Not that I've ever done that. But let's say I did and I made her mad about something and she decides to throw her sippy cup at me. <laughs> now, at some point, right, At some point, someone's gonna come along and talk to my wife. They're gonna say, listen, this needs to change. In fact, they're gonna get more personal. Somebody should say to my wife, you need to change. You need to change. Give my wife a hand for helping us out. Now, obviously, here's where it gets messy, okay? Obviously, this becomes a much bigger deal when we start talking about someone's sexuality or their religion or their lifestyle, whatever that may be. But here's the thing, okay? If we truly believe what the Bible says about the way to eternal life, If we truly believe, as Jesus himself said, that he is the way, the truth, and the life, that no one comes to the Father except through Jesus. If we believe that that there is no other name under heaven by which men must be saved. If we believe that man does not live on bread alone, but on the very words that come from the mouth of God if we truly believe that where we land on our belief system, that where we land on our behavior matters in light of eternity, if we believe all that, how much do we have to hate someone not to do our best to lead them into all the fullness that God has for them? How much do we have to hate someone to not tell them about the eternal truth we say we believe in. And yet so many times, out of fear of offending someone, we let them remain who they've been. And it's messy. It ticks people off. It genuinely hurts them. It turns them off to the church. But listen, friends. If I'm going to choose between offending someone or offending the only one, I'm offending someone. So we should love people for who they are. We should. We should accept them just the way they are. But if we accept people for who they are and we don't at least try to lead them to where they need to be, we don't love them. And I know it's not seen as love. And I know the church sucks sometimes at being loving in our approach. But if we don't at least try to lead them to where we believe God says we should be, we do not love them. Now listen, if you're here and you are not a Christian, I want you to know something. You are not held to any biblical standard of Christianity. You're not. Like I'm gonna to continue to challenge you to put your faith in Jesus because that you are held accountable for, putting your faith in Jesus. But until then, you're not responsible to live like God says a Christian should live. And church, we should get over that, by the way. Like we have done a great job at, as the church as trying, in trying to get an unbelieving world to act like believers. They can't. They don't believe yet. That's like walking into a dark room and telling darkness to be light. You'll stand there a long time until light appears in the room, right? We, we can't force darkness to be light. We can only be the light in a dark world in hopes to draw people to Jesus. But listen, if you claim to believe in Jesus, that's you. If you're a believer, we'll love you just the way you are. But because we love you, we will also challenge you to follow God's word in your life. We will never be disobedient to God's word in order to accommodate the way someone lives. It's not loving. It's not. It's offensive, but it's not loving. It's amazing to me how masterfully Jesus did this. Like, you look at the story of Jesus. It was the people who were most unlike Jesus who liked Jesus the most. It amazes me how well he balanced grace and truth. Grace and truth. Never weighing too much to one side or the other. If you're all grace, then it's all just do whatever you want. God loves you. If you're all truth, it's turn or burn, go to hell, fire and brimstone, right? So there's grace and truth. Jesus, we are told, was full of grace and truth. So we want to be a a place to call home. If we're going to do that, we're going to do it like Jesus, right? So how did he do it? He loved people for who they were. He led them to where they needed to be. And then number three, the last one is this. He looked for people that no one else wanted. He intentionally looked for people that no one else wanted. Luke 5, 29 through 32, the story ends. Later, Levi held a banquet in his home with Jesus as the guest of honor. This, this had to throw the entire town into a hissy fit. Many of Levi's fellow tax collectors and other guests, they would have been notorious sinners as well, they also ate with them. So here's Jesus, the Messiah, son of God, at a party with a bunch of crooks. Understand this, that most likely, even Matthew's own family had abandoned him. That's why he had to invite tax collectors and other guests to come, because even his own family didn't want anything to do with him. He had no one left but those who were just like him. Because everyone else said, if you don't believe or behave, you can't belong to us. But the Pharisees, their teachers of religious law, complained bitterly to Jesus' disciples. Notice they were too cowardly to go to Jesus. They complained to the disciples. Why do you eat and drink with such scum? Can I just say that I think We might not use the same word, but too often in the church, we've thought that about people. Jesus answered them, healthy people don't need a doctor. Sick people do. I've come to call not those who think they are righteous, but those who know they are sinners and need to repent. He flipped the paradigm, which by the way, if Jesus would not have flipped the paradigm, we wouldn't be allowed to belong either. So go back to the very first thing Jesus said to Levi. He said Levi, follow me. And then he says here, okay, that I've come to call those who are sick. So if his command is follow me, and he said I've come to call the sick, what does that mean we should be doing? It means we in our following should be finding and seeking and serving and calling sick people to come to Jesus. The, the, the church, the church is not a place you come to once you've been cleaned up. The church is a place where all of us are being cleaned up by Jesus, That the church is not a quarantine zone where only healthy people are invited. The church is a triage center where the wounded are bound, the sick are being treated, the broken are made whole, and the diseased are being healed in the name of Jesus. That is the church, and this is us. We will be a place to call home, that will love people for who they are, so it can lead them to where they need to be. And God, would you please bring us more people who nobody else wants, or more people who believe that nobody else wants them? And God, would you help us to love them like you did? Church, it breaks my heart. It breaks my heart that there are times where as a church, when we stand on the word of God, that we greatly offend people, that there are people who are legitimately hurt by our stance on the gospel, and it wrecks me because I have to be obedient to God and not to man, and so do you. So God, help us in our response. Help us to stand firmly on your word, but also, Lord, help us to be full of grace and truth. And listen, if it doesn't break your heart that people get hurt by the church, you might need a heart check. There's a lot of people who kind of take pride in offending people away from the church. Ah, we took our stand on the word of God. It's not what Jesus did. Yeah, He took his stand all the way to the cross, but along, all the way, even on the cross, saying to the thief next to him, "This very day, you'll see me in paradise."." So listen, here's how I want to close today. Wrestled over, God, where do where we go with this? I just want to say this. A lot of times, messages like this, I'd close with a response to receive Jesus. And if if you're here today and you don't know Jesus as your Savior, you you can do that, okay? But you don't need me to lead you in a prayer. You can stop by the purple tent on the way out. There's some prayer team members there. They'd love to help you talk about what it means to know Jesus. You can just say a prayer by yourself that, God, I I believe in Jesus. I have not yet, but I do now. And I, I ask you to forgive me of my sins, to wipe me clean, make me new. Like 2 Corinthians 5 17. I want to be a new person. So I give my life to you. Put my faith in Jesus. Come into my heart, reign in me. Help me live for you in a new life. Thanks for loving me. I'll do my best to love you back. You can pray a prayer like that. It's just there's no magic words. It's you just telling God, I'm a sinner, I need forgiveness, and I'm done living my own way. That's, that's the sinner's prayer. So I put my faith in, you can do that. But I'm not gonna ask for a response today. If you wanna let us know that you prayed to receive Jesus, you wanna mark it on your connection card, you wanna tell somebody at the purple tent, you wanna tell me out in the, in the lobby, that's fine. I just wanna stop with this today. I wanna to end with this. That no matter who you are, no matter what you've done, no matter how any Christian or any church has ever treated you, this, my friend, I pray, will be a place to call home for you. And we will love you for who you are. But because we love you, we can't let you stay the same. We're gonna lead you to be all that God's called you to be. And I wanna ask you to do the same for me because I'm not done growing. I don't wanna be done growing yet because that means I'm dead. If you're still breathing, God's not done. So let's take our steps together in Jesus. I love you guys. Let me pray for you and then remain seated. Pastor Brennan's got two just quick closing things. God, you're so good. And Lord, I thank you. I thank you that you came, not just for notorious sinners like Levi, but for a notorious sinner like me. That I I also have been the scum (laughs) that you were accused of hanging out with. And, Lord, I thank you that you you love scum like us, but you don't leave us that way. Lord, you transform us into new creations, more and more like you every day. Lord, thanks for that. Lord, help this be a place to call home. Help us love people for who they are and lead them to where they need to be. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.